As we prepare to hear God's word in this place, please join me in a brief prayer for illumination. Holy Spirit, come down upon us this morning. Move through the words of scripture. Light them up in ways that make them visible. Pieces of scripture maybe we haven't seen before. Let it take on new life for us today as we listen. As we listen for God's word among us. Lord, we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 45. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Some of you may recognize me. I've been around the Pittsburgh Presbytery for a number of years now. And until recently, I had served several small congregations, much like this one. But this past June, I made a pretty dramatic change. Since then, I've been serving as the director of chaplaincy at the Allegheny County Jail. It's a very different place than I'd been, and it's a very different place than I ever imagined myself landing back when I was in seminary. Not a lot of people take a look at me and think, ah, yes, prison chaplain. (laughs) But it's a place I landed in because of the way God has worked on me through this passage I just read. And I'm going to share some of that journey with you all this morning. And I'm going to invite you to join me in imagining how God might revolutionize your life 
or your church or both by taking a tall leap into this passage. I loved the congregations I was pastoring. Hear that, please, dear saints. But something began to feel not quite right for me. I was struggling to meet with Jesus where I was. I knew that he was there because Jesus is always with us. I believe in those promises of scripture. And I knew that the faithful people of my congregations saw him there and loved Jesus very much. But it felt like God was calling me to meet Jesus in a different place and in a different way. It was like Jesus was hiding from me in the usual places, peekaboo with Jesus. So I would have to go look for him somewhere else. And maybe some of you have struggled with that, too. I know many faithful Christians who have had trouble figuring out what exactly God is up to in the past year and a half, give or take some change. And it's been especially hard for small congregations. We've been worshiping weird, right? Online, distanced, outside, masked, vaccination required, masks optional. Everybody's tried different things. Parking lot worship. There are all sorts of ways that churches are working to gather while still keeping people safe. But they all feel strange. Am I right? They are foreign to the ways we have met up with Jesus in the past. And I knew that in the midst of the pandemic turmoil and some of the other um, social and political turmoil and even some, some family dynamics that were going on for me, I knew that God was stirring up a dramatic move for me. But God was not making it clear what that was yet. It was like a friend saying, I'll meet you for dinner Thursday evening, but then waiting until the last minute to tell you the time and the restaurant. I know some of y'all are probably totally okay with that, but I am not one of those people. I'd like to know the time in the restaurant. So finally, last spring, after months of this churning in my soul by the Holy Spirit, on a Sunday morning before church, three separate people sent me a text message about an open position with the Foundation of Hope in the chaplaincy office at the county jail. I'd been volunteering with Hope for a number of years as a mentor for incarcerated women, as well as an instructor in the pre-release program. I taught a class on trauma and abuse recovery. And it was through teaching that class that I really began to understand some of my own trauma and process it on a higher level than I had before. And it was through teaching that class that I really began to see this passage, Matthew 25, come to life. Because it didn't matter how rough of a day or a week I had. It didn't matter how angry or annoyed I was with God for whatever hadn't gone my way. Whenever I pulled up in front of the jail, something washed over me. I knew that Jesus was there. I knew that I was about to have a holy encounter with God in that place. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been inside the county jail or another correctional facility before, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands for obvious reasons. But on the surface, it seems like a ridiculous place to expect to see God. It's loud and it's echoey and there's giant slamming doors and loudspeakers and sirens going off constantly. It is not a beautiful building. It's not terrible to look at from the outside, but inside it's very gray and institutional. And it is full 
of people the world has basically given up on. We as a society toss a few programs at people here and there. We set up classes in the hopes that it'll be the time that the person breaks the cycle of addiction, throw a little bit of money at some sort of new program. But when it comes down to it, it's really easy to forget about the 2,000 or so people who are living in our county jail. And even when we do remember them, it's easy to write them off as having gotten what they deserve. But in Matthew 25, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus includes the prisoners, right along with those who are stuck in poverty and have nothing, those who are confined to the outskirts of society. And why would he do that? The world wants to take pity on the poor, but not the prisoner. But throughout the ages, jails and prisons have disproportionately housed those who are trapped in systems of poverty. That is just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus shared this parable. And I'm not going to bore you with statistics in a sermon, but check with me later. I'm happy to email you some of those. Our jails and prisons are packed full of people who struggle with mental health disorders and addiction. For those with financial means in our world, those are demons we can confront, confront privately by paying someone to help. For those without, those demons take over. Proper mental health care is expensive and inaccessible. Good rehab is expensive and even less accessible. Staying healthy, really expensive. So our jails fill up with people who can barely afford to pay the rent, let alone a therapy bill or rehab. So suffice it to say, we cannot care for the poor and the marginalized while leaving out the prisoner. And we cannot care for the prisoner without caring for the poor and the marginalized. We can't care for any of them without recognizing that there are unjust systems in our world that are directly opposed to the way God's kingdom operates. And I do get it. That is overwhelming. None of us is able to go in and overhaul the system alone, any system. But the good news is that Jesus is not telling us in Matthew 25 that we're not faithful if we cannot obliterate all injustice in the world. It's not our job, it's his. He's telling us that it starts small by seeing Jesus in the eyes of the people around you, no matter who they are. It's about seeking to serve Jesus, and you do that by serving the people around you. The simplicity of this hit me one day a few years back when I was teaching that trauma and recovery class. And I said to the women in the class, we have to work to heal from our trauma so that we can live into being the beautiful creations of God that we are. Each of you is important in God's eyes and each of you matters in the world. And I say stuff like that all the time because I really do believe it. So I didn't think much of it in that moment until I noticed a few eyes tear up and one woman began openly crying. She said, I don't think anyone has ever told me I matter before. Can you imagine that? Someone growing to adulthood without ever being told they matter. We can't fix the system, not alone. But we can let people know that they are part of God's beloved creation made in the image of God, even when the world around them has never given them a message of value. 
That woman who had never been told she matters is a creation made in the image of God. And in that holy and vulnerable moment that day, I felt the presence of Jesus with those women more powerfully than I ever have in church. That moment came flooding back to me when I was discerning my new and different call. This passage from Matthew hit me like a ton of bricks. It makes sense, right? When we're looking for Jesus, when we're struggling to see Jesus in the world around us, let's look right where he said he would be, with the poor and the powerless. He's at the bedside of a person in hospice. He's sitting at the table with hungry people. He's comforting the prisoners. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Of course, that's where Jesus is at. And that, that, that does not mean that Jesus isn't here at church or at Bible study. That doesn't mean that everyone is called to shift directions and start working at the county jail. Believe me, it's an acquired taste. Although if you would like to volunteer or learn how to donate to Foundation of Hope, see me after the service. But if you're struggling to see Jesus lately, look into the eyes of someone who has been pushed to the edges in some way. Tell them they are loved. If you're struggling to see Jesus lately, be ready to be called into loving people in an unexpected and uncomfortable new way. Because that is fundamentally the gospel message. You matter. We as the church, the whole collective church, not just any single congregation, we as the church have to be careful that we don't get so caught up in convincing the world that we matter that we forget to tell people around us that they matter. Jesus' message in Matthew and the rest of the Bible, for that matter, is that all are beloved and have a place in the kingdom. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. You might tell them in words. You might tell them with a meal, maybe with a coat, or tell them with a visit. It is important that we work together and speak up against the unbalanced power structures in our world. It is absolutely the Christian thing to do to break the cycles that get people stuck in poverty for generations, but... That is collective work. That is work none of us can do alone. As individuals, we aren't off the hook because it's big work. We can leave up to the activists and the denominational bigwigs or others with louder voices and bigger collectives and larger budgets. In some ways, we have the harder but more beautiful work as individuals. We have the work of going into uncomfortable spaces like homeless shelters and jails and hospitals and telling people that they are worth it. That's not just for super Christians. It's for all those who want to serve Jesus and see him in the world. So if you've been struggling to see Jesus lately, if you have felt like God is far away, or you simply want to meet him on a new level, I encourage you to look for him exactly where he said you'd find him. The church matters because of the gospel message we have been given to proclaim. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of it before, but yesterday was Cardigan Day in Pittsburgh. I see a couple smiles, so some people do know what that is. It's a day in which everyone's asked to remember Mr. Rogers, 
by wearing cardigans and thinking about being kind. So I will leave you with this quote from my favorite practical theologian. If there was ever anyone who knew how to make people realize how much God loves them and to see Jesus in everyone he met, it was the Reverend Fred Rogers. Everyone longs to be loved, and the greatest thing we can do is to let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. Amen. Friends, having heard God's word.